Ladies and gentlemen, recording from Los Angeles, California. Welcome to another edition of the one and only podcast known to the world as Sean's Sports Stop, where Sean Tiplitsky gives his unique opinion on the biggest news stories in sports. On today's episode of Sean's Sports Stop, Episode number 212 to be exact. Um, I'll report the biggest news stories in sports and give my unique opinion on all the topics. Uh, lots to talk about. I'm also going to cover the news results and future matchups of the Los Angeles sports teams. Um, so, yeah, not that much to talk about. You know, yesterday was the College Football Playoff National Championship game. So there was um, many things to talk about yesterday. Not that much today. Definitely less than usual. But um, an NBA executive believes that the Cleveland Cavaliers have made a mistake in their approach with Kevin Love. The San Antonio Spurs are reportedly interested in Kristaps Porzingis. Luke Walton is not in imminent danger of being fired. Uh, Josh McDaniels is reportedly done talking with other NFL teams. Will the NFL reach a TV deal with ABC? The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have reportedly hired... Uh, Bruce Arians, former Arizona Cardinals head coach Bruce Arians as their next head coach, and Todd Bowles, the former New York Jets head coach, as their defensive coordinator. Uh, Jason Tatum publicly said that he would trade himself for Anthony Davis to get him on the Celtics. The Arizona Cardinals have reportedly hired Cliff Kingsbury and DeMarc, and there has been a date set for DeMarcus Cousins' uh, debut for the Golden State Warriors. And without further ado, let's get down to it. The first story has to do with the NBA, as I just said, specifically with the Cleveland Cavaliers. So Kevin Love was a man of the people back in July when he signed a four-year, $120.4 million contract extension to stay with the Cleveland Cavaliers, then posed for an impromptu selfie with construction workers at Quicken Loans Arena. Between Love's contract and a $140 million arena renovation, that's more than a quarter of a billion dollars poured into the post-LeBron James Cavs already. The way things are going so far, at 8-32, the Cavs have the worst record in the NBA. One has to wonder whether Love will actually be around to see this rebuilding project through. Probably not. But that also depends on a difficult question. What's the trade market for a 30-year-old five-time officer described by one Western Conference executive as a, quote, dinosaur? Challenging, to put it mildly, in my opinion. At least, And this is also uh, the opinion of multiple executives around the league. Quote, it's a lot to ask to someone to take on $144 million for a 30-year-old with an injury history. One of the execs told Bleacher Report, you're dealing with a very small, narrow marketplace for him. Love's extension, which kicks in next season, brought his five-year guaranteed salary to $144 million. He'll make $28.9 million next season, then the deal levels off at $31.3 million in the next two years and goes back to $28.9 million in the final season when Love will be 34 years old. If nothing else, acquiring Kevin Love would um, would come with cost certainty for uh, or with cost certainty for a player whose three-point shooting, rebounding, veteran leadership, and postseason experience could prove useful to a team that feels it's one piece away from making a deep playoff run. Uh, still, it is a hefty sum for uh, to swallow for multiple years. One of the executives who spoke with Bleacher Reports at Love's deal and John Wall's four-year, $170 million extension are quote the two worst contracts in the league. Quote, how many teams are really looking for a dinosaur face-up four-man or a five who can't switch, pick, and roll, the exec said. Nonetheless, Mark Stein of the New York Times reported last week that love trade chatter will be heating up over the next few weeks and that some teams view him as a potential missing piece for the, quote, right price. But finding a team to agree with the Cavs on that price will be challenging. Quote, the problem is you have a rookie GM 
Kobe Altman, who's a really good guy and has done some really good things and he's trying to prove himself. And you've got a delusional owner, Dan Gilbert, a Western Conference executive, said. And they're going to think they're supposed to get something for the guy. You're not getting an asset for him under any circumstances. Um, so this is a very interesting situation that the Cleveland Cavaliers are in on one hand. They have a player that they believe is a superstar. I don't believe he is, at least this point in his career. In Minnesota, you could make the case that he was and his, uh, his first couple years in Cleveland. But now he's a little bit older, has, has, has had some more injuries. Um, so I don't think he's a superstar. Definitely an all-star caliber player, but not, not a superstar like guys like, you know, Steph, KD, uh, you know, Kawhi, Anthony Davis, guys like that, LeBron James, obviously. So this is a very interesting situation. I mean, coming into the season, the Cavs reassured their fans that they're going to be a contending team. And about you know 40 games into the season, they're eight and 32, worst record in the NBA. So some decision making is going to have to come for the Cavaliers. So now switching gears to more basketball, the San Antonio Spurs reportedly have quote significant interest in New York Knicks power forward Kristaps Porzingis, who's yet to play during the 2018-19 NBA season while recovering from a torn ACL. On Tuesday, Kevin O'Connor of the Ringer reported a key question is whether the Spurs can create enough cap space for Porzingis, who could receive a max offer sheet of $122.1 million over four years as a restricted free agent in the offseason. It's not clear also whether the 23-year-old star will play at all this season, since the Knicks are already fading from playoff contention with a 10-30 and record. The extended absence likely won't deter interest to teams from signing him as a restricted free agent because of this, since he has a strong uh, track record. He averaged... Um, 23.7 rebounds and two and a half blocks while shooting 40% from three across 48 appearances last season before he suffered the serious knee injury. He earned his first All-Star selection in the process. In April 2017, he told Sport, Sporta Avise in his native Latvia he wanted to spend his entire career in New York City. Quote, absolutely, I want to stay here all my career, Porzingis said, but the thing I want most of all is winning. When the time comes, I will seriously start to think about it. Right now, I just try to do my best. Stefan Bondi of the New York Daily News reported last week the Knicks may attempt to resign Porzingis at below max value with injury protections. He noted it would be a deal similar to what Joel Embiid agreed to with the Philadelphia 76ers. Porzingis may not be willing to accept such a pact, however, and the Brooklyn Nets are another team with potential offer sheet interest per Bondi. If the Spurs make a serious run at the Knicks' cornerstone, the next question is whether they try to create a front court with LaMarcus Aldridge or trade the fellow power forward who signed a two-year contract extension through the 2020-21 season to free up cap space. Um, so, very interesting. I think if the Spurs get uh, Porzingis, they would instantly uh, reinsert themselves into being championship contenders. Right now, they're an above-average team, a team that will make the playoffs in a very good Western Conference, but not a team that... You kind of uh, mention um, along, alongside Golden State, Houston, Toronto, Milwaukee, Denver as teams that you really think have a good shot. Boston as uh, teams you really think have a good shot at winning the NBA championship. San Antonio just isn't one of those teams. They do have DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge, their two best players. They also have Pau Gasol. But if they get a guy like Kristaps Porzingis, whether or not that entails keeping LaMarcus Aldridge or not, I think they're um, instantly a team that uh, everyone should be looking out for. So now transitioning to more basketball, with his status seemingly determined by the previous game's result, Luke Walton does not appear to be on the verge of losing his job as head coach of the Los Angeles Lakers. Per the Athletics, Sam Amick Walton is not in, quote, imminent danger of losing his job with the Lakers this season. Rumblings about Walton's job status have been ongoing all season. Uh, 38-year-old had the highest odds among NBA coaches to be fired after the Lakers started at 0-3. Lakers president Magic Johnson admonished Walton in early November after consecutive road losses to drop the record to 3-5. Per ESPN.com's Adrian Wojnarowski, I covered that on my podcast as well. 
Walton appeared to secure a small safety net when the Lakers won 14 of 19 games from November 7th through December 15th to climb a season high seven games over 500, at which point they were 18 and 11. Since LeBron James' groin injury suffered during Los Angeles' Christmas Day win over the Golden State Warriors, the team has gone 2 and 5 without the four time NBA MVP in the lineup. The Lakers currently own the number 8 seed in the Western Conference, one and a half games ahead of the Sacramento Kings. Walton is 83 and 122 in two in over two seasons with the Lakers as head coach. He has yet to ha- he has yet to post a winning record or make the playoffs leading the team, but something tells me both of those things will change this season with LeBron James on the team. And um, also, I've said this multiple times as well. Uh, I'm not saying that Luke Walton is the long-term answer for the Lakers. I would um, be very happy if the Lakers hired someone like Mark Jackson to be the next head coach. But if they were to make a coaching change of any kind, I think it should happen after the season no matter what. Making coaching, making a coaching change in the middle of the season, uh, no matter how much better your uh, new, your alternative coach is, uh, it's not a good idea in my opinion. So now switching gears to the NFL. New England Patriots offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels confirmed Tuesday the, quote, book is closed on interviews for head coaching jobs, so he'll return to the Pats for the 2019 NFL season. Paul Perillo of Patriots Football Weekly provided the update from McDaniels, who interviewed with the Green Bay Packers before the team reportedly selected the Tennessee Titans' Matt LaFleur to fill the vacancy. Quote, I'll be here moving forward, he said. The NFL Network's Ian Rapport noted the Packers were McDaniels' only known interview, though Steve Dorschuk of CantonRep.com reported he was, quote, enthusiastically interested in the Cleveland Browns' job. McDaniels has spent the last seven seasons as Patriots offensive coordinator and quarterback's coach, roles he previously held from 2005 through 2008. The Denver Broncos hired him as a head coach in 2009, but he was fired after less than two years with an 11-17 record. Those lackluster results will put more pressure on McDaniels if he accepts another head coaching job, which is likely why he's being selective in deciding whether to leave New England again, which is exactly what I said on yesterday's episode, number 211. Quote, if that's in the cards for me, then that's great, he told reporters in December about potentially getting to lead his staff again. I've said that before, but but again, I'm not worried about that right now. Um, this seems like a smart move for McDaniels, and uh, I'm not surprised by this at all. So now... Uh, transitioning to more football abc may be getting back into the nfl business andrew marchand of the new york post reported quote abc is kicking around the idea of going hard after cbs's or fox's nfl sunday packages besides the games on sundays it would allow it would also it also would allow abc to pick up a super bowl or two Marchand added, quote, This is somewhat speculation at this point, informed by sources familiar with disney's discussions espn and abc both owned by disney declined comment Per that report, the NFL's agreements with Fox and CBS for Sunday's daytime games last through the 2022 season, as do Fox's deal for Thursday night football and NBC's deal for Sunday night football. ESPN has rights to Monday night football through the 2021 season. ABC last had NFL uh, rights from 1970 through 2005 when they broadcasted Monday night football. The Pro Bowl was also simulcast on ESPN and ABC starting last season. If ABC does, does get involved in the negotiations, it could be another leverage point for the NFL to increase its licensing fees. For perspective, Fox reportedly paid $3 billion for five years of Thursday Night Football rights last year and is currently paying $1.1 billion a year for its Sunday NFL programming. CBS is on the hook for around $1 billion a year for its Sunday package, while NBC is paying $950 million a year for Sunday Night Football, and ESPN is paying a whopping $1.9 billion a year for its NFL rights centered on Monday Night Football. NFL is making a lot of money from these TV networks. Those prices are likely to rise, though Disney may be willing to play ball nonetheless. As Marchand noted, quote, Disney could try to prop up ABC by using Sunday football to lure more male viewers, which it currently lacks. It also has been proven for years that the NFL is either the top reason or one of them for an overall broadcast network's success. Um, 
So I've never seen an NFL game on ABC besides the Pro Bowl in my lifetime. I read some comments on, uh, on the internet about fans really not wanting um, NFL games on ABC, but I'm fairly indifferent. I don't really care what network the game is on as long as I'm able to watch the game. So not much of an opinion for me. So now switching gears to more NFL. One year after retiring as an NFL head coach, Bruce Arians will be back on the sidelines with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the team announced Tuesday. ESPN's Adam Schefter first reported Arians was finalizing a deal with the Buccaneers to become their next head coach. Ian Rapport of the NFL Network provided additional details on his contract and staff. So Rapport tweeted, quote, The Bucs are signing Bruce Arians to a four-year deal with a fifth-year option, sources said. Among the coaches Arians hopes to finalize deals with, Harold Goodwin as run game coordinator slash offensive line, Byron Leftwich as pass game coordinator, and Claude Christensen as quarterback's coach. Schefter added the Buccaneers will send a 2019 sixth-round pick uh, to the Arizona Cardinals in exchange for Arians' his coaching rights and a seventh-round pick. Former New York Jets head coach Todd Bowles will be the defensive coordinator per Albert Breer of the MMQB. The 66-year-old spent five seasons as the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals from 2013 through 2017. He led the franchise to a 49-30-1 record with two playoff appearances and a trip to the 2015 NFC Championship game. Following the 2017 season, Arians uh, announced he was walking away from 42 consecutive years as a coach in the NFL and college football, saying, quote, The tears you see are really tears of joy, peace. I'll miss the players. I'll miss coming out of the locker room hearing the national anthem because it still gets me. I probably truly didn't know until that kick Sunday uh, went through that I was getting go- that I was going to retire. I know everybody speculated for months. You know how I have that story. You know how that story. Like I said, it's been an unbelievable journey. Arians is one of 11 coaches to win the Associated Press NFL Coach of the Year more award more than once. That was 2012 and 2014. His 2012 honor came after leading the Indianapolis Colts to a 9-3 record as interim head coach when Chuck Pagano took a leave of absence to undergo treatment for leukemia. Uh, so his uh, retirement obviously didn't much long, didn't last um, very long. It's very similar to Urban Meyer's situation when he retired and came back to coach Ohio State. And I think this is a great move for the Buccaneers to hire Arians as their head coach and Bowles as their defensive coordinator. So now switching gears back to the NBA. Jason Tatum is not looking to leave the Boston Celtics, but he would understand if the team decided to trade him in a hypothetical package for Anthony Davis. Appearing on the Celtics Beat podcast, Celtics radio commentator Cedric Maxwell said Tatum admitted he would trade himself for Davis if the option was on the table. Quote, yeah, I'd trade me too for Anthony Davis, Tatum said. Pre-Yahoo Sports' Chris Haynes, Davis said his legacy in the NBA will likely be more important to him than maximizing his earnings potential. And I've covered uh, that as well. <laughs> so pretty funny that uh, what Tatum said. And it's going to be interesting to see if uh, Jason Tatum is foreshadowing something. So now switching gears back to the NFL. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury is making the jump to the NFL. The former Texas Tech head coach and USC offensive coordinator, although he was only the offensive coordinator at USC for just over a month, has agreed to become the Arizona Cardinals' new head coach. Peter Schrager of Fox Sports first broke the news. ESPN's Adam Schefter reported it's a four-year deal with an option for a fifth year, and he added there will be a press conference introducing Kingsbury on Wednesday. The Cardinals are expected to pay the $150,000 buyout Kingsbury owes USC for resigning, per Ian Rapport of the NFL Network. It will be Kingsbury's first NFL coaching job. Uh, so congrats to him, and uh, I think uh, the Sean McVay effect is real uh, in terms of how the uh, NFL teams are looking for kind of young, offensive-minded coaches. So switching gears back to the NBA, we have two NBA stories to close out the big news section of this episode. So Oklahoma City Thunder big man Nerlens Noel suffered a head injury on Tuesday in the third quarter against the Minnesota Timberwolves after he was hit in the head with an unintentional elbow from Timberwolves wing Andrew Wiggins and hit his head on the floor. 
After the game, Wiggins told reporters he hoped the Thunder Center would be okay and that the hit was accidental. Wiggins also tweeted good wishes to Noel. Noel underwent thumb surgery last season and only played in 30 games, and he was de- and he has dealt with injuries throughout his career. He missed the entire 2013-14 season because of knee surgery, missed 15 games in 2015-16, and played only 51 games in 2016-17. Entering Thursday, the Kentucky product averaged 5 points and 5 rebounds in his first full season with the Thunder after they signed him in this past offseason following a disappointing showing with the Dallas Mavericks in 2017-18. He averaged only 4.5 points a night in those 30 games, so uh, hopefully he'll be okay. And now switching gears to more basketball to close out the big news section of this episode, episode number 212. Center DeMarcus Cousins has not yet made his debut with the Golden State Warriors but this this season as he recovers from a torn Achilles, but his return appears to be coming soon. The team is targeting the upcoming road game against the Los Angeles Clippers on January 18th for Cousins to return to the court, according to Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports. Head coach Steve Kerr initially said Tuesday that the center will make his debut within the next 20 games, per Mark J. Spears of ESPN. Quote, it's closer now, the coach said of Cousins' return. The conditioning has got over a barrier. The four-time All-Star has been out since last January after suffering the Achilles injury as a member of the New Orleans Pelicans. He signed a one-year deal with Golden State in the offseason, but has taken his rehab slowly, and he tries to get to 100%. Cousins was first sent down to practice with the G League affiliate in Santa Cruz, but is now getting more work with the NBA team. He went through a full practice last week per Nick Friedel of ESPN, although he still needed to get his conditioning up. It appears he is now close to finally getting into games and helping the Warriors, which should uh, be scary for the rest of the NBA and their fans. And, um... You know, kind of sucks uh, as a Laker fan because the Warriors just got even better. So now switching gears to cover the news results and future matchups of the Los Angeles sports teams to close out this episode of Sean Sports. Up starting with the Lakers, uh, the Los Angeles Lakers did not play today. They play tomorrow at 7:30 p.m. Pacific time against the Detroit Pistons uh, at home. The game's going to be on ESPN. I actually might be at that game in person at the Staples Center, so I'm very excited for that possibility. The Los Angeles Clippers did play today, and they beat the Charlotte Hornets 128 to 109 at home. The Clippers are now 24 and 16, while the Hornets fall to 19 and 21. The Clippers have now won three straight games, so they're on a roll. Uh, they have. A day off, and then they play the uh, Denver Nuggets on Thursday, January 10th at 6 p.m. Pacific time on the road. It's going to be a big test. If the Clippers can pull out this win, they'll beat the best team in the Western Conference, and that would be a huge win. The Los Angeles Rams obviously did not play today. Today was a Tuesday. They play this Saturday, January 12th at 5.15 p.m. Pacific time against the Dallas Cowboys at home in the NFL Divisional Round. The game's going to be on Fox. The Los Angeles Chargers play a huge game as well as they take on the New England Patriots this Sunday, January 13th at 10.05 a.m. Pacific time. Game is going to be on CBS. Los Angeles Kings did not play today. They play the day after tomorrow, Thursday, January 10th at 7.30 p.m. Pacific time against Ottawa Senators uh, at home. And the Anaheim Ducks did not play today either. They, they, they take on guess who? The Ottawa Senators tomorrow, though, at 7 p.m. Pacific time at home. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is all we have for episode number 212 of Sean Sports Up, a fairly short episode compared to the usual length. Thank you so much for listening, and as always, see you next time.